insecure. Will people like this? You know, will they judge me? But I just didn't care anymore. I just thought, <laughs> this is good stuff. I'm gonna get it out there. I wanna do this. In raising this amazing little human being, I just thought a lot about the person I wanted to be. The inside of Suzuki Book One, which people still reference to me all the time, and it's really embarrassing. <laughs> Welcome back to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories. Today, I want to introduce you to my friend Connie Shu. She's doing something completely original, and I think it's something really special. Her new CD, titled The Woman's Voice, is just that, a series of works exploring music exclusively composed by women. Did you know Giuliani had a daughter who was a virtuoso guitarist and composer? I certainly did not. On the show today, Connie will introduce us to a few of the composers she chose for a woman's voice, as well as give us a glimpse at the Suzuki method for the guitar, and a little bit about being a new mother and how that has affected her performing career. Well, um, I grew up in San Jose, California, and my first guitar teacher happened to be Frank Longay. He was, at the time, in the mid-80s, I guess, pioneering the Suzuki method for classical guitar. And it had not been done before. Suzuki method was popular on violin and piano and cello also, but nobody had sort of codified the method for guitar yet. So he was the first to do so. And so I started with him when I was five after seeing the guitar group, the place where I took cello lessons at the time. And I just really took to the instrument. I love the sound of it. It just seemed so different, so unique. And so I started lessons with him when I was five and somehow I ended up on the cover of Suzuki World Magazine and in uh, the inside of Suzuki Book One, which people still reference to me all the time and it's really embarrassing. <laughs> Is it? Why? Because um, I've got a bad 80s perm in the picture ah. and, you know, it was cool at the time, but uh, yeah. Connie's going to hate me for this, but that picture with the 80s perm is up on the website. Go check it out. It's pretty great. It's at the podcast website, scottwolfguitar.com slash podcast. So when I picture the Suzuki method, I tend to associate it with this image I have of very, very young children playing violins and cellos, instruments that tend to be about the same size as the kid who's playing it, as well as frequently coming across great adult musicians and often hearing that they got their start with Suzuki. Beyond that, my understanding of this style of music pedagogy is quite hazy, so I asked Connie for a quick rundown on how it works. Suzuki is a method that relies heavily on ear training and kind of takes after the process of language acquisition in children. So most children learn to speak their mother tongue based on their parents speaking to them. And so a man named Shinichi Suzuki one day had a realization that all Japanese children speak Japanese. 
And it hit him that the same thing could be done in music training. That children, young children, three-year-olds, could learn to play a musical instrument just modeling what they hear from their teachers and from recordings. And so this was in the post-war era, and he started um, creating this method where he would train very, very young children to play violin and soon had a great following. And today the method is not only instruction through a private teacher, but also group lessons once a week and going through a sequence of, of method books along with listening to the CD daily. What's on the CD is all the songs that are in the books, and we actually don't stress reading until a little bit later, but kids who start Suzuki, their first assignment is to listen and to listen and to listen to what they're going to learn mm. so that they have an oral image of every song in the book. And then when they get to the instrument, it's just a matter of learning the motor skills mm. to actually produce the song that they already know. Mm. and can sing and mm. have in their head. So it is kind of like learning a language. If you learned a language as an adult, you'd have to hear it a lot. You'd have to know how to pronounce things and do the accent correctly. Same thing with music. Interestingly enough, I had just interviewed Roland Dianz and Grisha Goryachev and Paul Odette. And at some point, they all independently mentioned that they had all almost obsessively listened to music long before they had ever picked up yeah, their instruments. the same thing for hours. Wow. Yeah, which is kind of like, maybe they're intuitively yeah. sort of, you know, doing that. Doing yeah. Their own musical training because they already loved it so much. Yeah, well that's the first sense to develop, even in the womb, is hearing. So I'm going to let Connie go ahead and introduce you to the first set of pieces we're going to listen to, some preludes by Emilia Giuliani. Her music at the beginning is pretty similar to her father's in style and in content. She did a lot of theme and variations because that was really in vogue at the time. A lot of it was based on opera themes mm -hmm. because opera was king in Italy. And then uh, towards the end of her life, she started to write stuff that was really pushing the boundaries compositionally for her time. It's, it sounds very much like Rigondi or some of the other early romantics. It sounds a lot less like her father's music. I think her magnum opus really is the six preludes that I recorded. Those are just pieces that, I mean, they're short and so they, they, they seem like maybe they were kind of like studies, like etudes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're really interesting chromatically. They definitely go to places that you could never imagine her father writing. I love the first, the first one. So nice. I love the sixth one, too. The sixth one is like just totally different. Yeah. It's got these chords like she kind of rocks out. <laughs> oh, that's the F chord one? Yeah. <laughs> that one really reminds me of Rabondi. One, four, and six are my one, favorites. Four and six? Yeah, I often okay. do those as a set because cool. all six are so exhausting to play live. Really? Yeah, they kill your left hand. That's just like that tiny so, little Yes, neck, right? I know. The Romantic era guitar was actually much smaller than the modern guitar, and so a lot of things that were composed on that guitar are incredibly hard for the left hand because they had this little skinny neck, and we have this big thick honking thing so that we can make a big sound in a big hall. Not fair. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> 
definitely not fair. So here's Connie Shu playing three selections from Emilia Giuliani's Six Preludes. She's going to play us number one, Moderato, uh, number four, also moderate in terms of tempo, and number six, Allegro, meaning happy or fast.
Amelia Giuliani was the daughter of the well-known guitarist Mauro Giuliani. And everybody knows who Mauro is because he's written so much guitar music. Part of the standard repertoire to play the Grand Overture or some of the Rossignanas. But very few people know that he had actually two daughters. Amelia was his legitimate daughter, and then he had another daughter that was an illegitimate daughter. He um, lived part of his life in Vienna. Then after some pretty good success there, moved back to Naples, and then that's when Amelia was under his care. They don't really know what happened to her mother. He was living mostly just with her for the latter part of his life. And during that time, they concertized together, playing duos. She studied with him, both in guitar and composition. Yeah, he just, he really took her under his wing and taught her everything that he knew. I guess she was kind of like daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's like various mm -hmm. newspaper accounts of them playing concerts together. And then when Giuliani got, when Mauro Giuliani got sick, it seems like she maybe took his place because then her solo career started to take off mm. towards the end. And she played for the Queen of Naples. Naples was its own kingdom at the time. Then started sort of more of a solo career touring in Europe. It started because I just wanted to play something that people were not playing. I feel like being in a very vibrant guitar community like we have in LA, you just hear a lot of the same music and I wanted to find stuff that was not being played. I don't know, I guess I just had this idea that, well, I realized that after 26 years of playing the guitar, not a single piece in my repertoire was written by a woman. And that was very striking for me. I've always been aware of kind of the gender gap in classical guitar. It's changing dramatically now. Um, I have so many students that are girls, but I guess I'd always felt sort of like I stuck out because I was a woman and I think in composition it's similar, that there are definitely more male composers than female composers getting out there with their stuff for whatever reason. And so I just felt like those two areas intersected and wanted to do a project where I could showcase really good music that wasn't being played. And the fact that it was written by women is sort of secondary. It was more about the quality of the music first. I started digging around and felt like I would probably have to do transcriptions or I wouldn't find that much stuff. And lo and behold, I found a ton of stuff. I was asking around. I started with my teachers. I started with Bill Kanengeiser and then Martha Masters, Scott Tennant, Brian Head. And they all gave me really great suggestions and one thing would lead to another. Before I knew it, I had a whole program of music and other stuff that I decided to cut out because I didn't like it as much. Yeah, in the end, there was stuff from various periods and various women. It turned out to be really just wonderful music, and I decided to record it. I've been performing it ever since.
Another featured composer on A Woman's Voice is Ida Presti. Ida Presti already enjoys fame in the guitar world for her guitar duo that she had together with Alexander Logoya, which is among the first and most highly respected professional guitar duos of the 20th century. Her technical skill and speed is still celebrated today. Connie chose to play a piece titled Segovia. young at the time, I think. It was before she started touring with LaGoya. But I mean, he had met her before because her father was inspired by Segovia and wanted her to take guitar. And she turned out to be this like absolute virtuosic player when she was a kid. He took her to meet the great Segovia and Segovia saw her play and he said, I have nothing left to teach her. <laughs> Not sure what that really meant, but she admired him greatly and wrote a piece in homage to him. So here's Connie Shu playing Segovia by Ida Presti.
Bear mama bear. bear. Yeah. Paul <laughs> says a mama bear because a mama bear is both cuddly and ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds like <laughs> I don't know. Um, having a baby was like the biggest transition in my life. I, I just had no idea. And I was, I was pregnant during the last part of finishing the DMA, which was exhausting. I did my last recital. I was probably seven and a half or eight months pregnant and was really tired. And I just had no idea what things were going to be like after that. I had gone too far with my education and with my desire to have a career to, you know, stop. And I didn't want people to think that I wasn't working. I guess that was maybe what I was most scared of. Yeah, well, <laughs> some people just think you fall off the face of the earth, which mm. I mean, it's partly true in the beginning because you're just exhausted. Once I was sleeping more and we were kind of in more of a groove, adjusting to life and everything, I, I just started to really miss playing and playing and and just had this this huge amount of energy to, to get stuff done. And so I did my CD while, you know, I would go over to my recording engineer's studio after the baby had gone to sleep and just play into the wee hours of the night. I'd be exhausted from taking care of her all day and would probably have to get up in the middle of the night, but I was just so wired <laughs> with this energy. Yeah, this strange <laughs> adrenaline that kind of you develop being a new parent, I guess. <laughs> I think new parents will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I just also found that, you know, in raising this amazing little human being, I just thought a lot about the person I wanted to be. I, I didn't want to hurt first of all, to have a mother that was unhappy or not pursuing things that were really important to me. I wanted to be someone that inspired her, filled her life with something beautiful. And I really thrive on, on playing guitar. I really thrive on, you know, getting myself out there. Well, I started to at least. and. I don't know, I also just wasn't afraid anymore. I, you know, sometimes I think when you're marketing yourself, you you can feel insecure. Will people like this? You know, will they judge me? But I just didn't care anymore. I just thought, <laughs> this is good stuff. I'm gonna get it out there. I wanna do this. And um, I think it brought me a confidence. That's what it is. It just, it made me feel confident. I felt like I didn't have anything to lose and I had everything to gain. I hope someday that she'll play the guitar. <laughs> Hopefully she won't hate it and then we won't have like mother-daughter wars while I'm trying to teach her. We're going to switch now to two of the more contemporary composers on this album. Annette Kreuzbrink and Dale Cavanaugh. Annette Kreuzbrink. Yeah, she's alive. She's a, a guitar teacher and composer. She's written a ton of music. Just if you look her up, there's just so much stuff that comes up. Such yeah, this cool piece is, is probably, I don't know, it's my favorite piece that I know of by her. Mm -hmm. um, and it's won a couple of significant composition awards too. But she's written a lot of music for guitar ensemble and a lot of stuff that's really accessible for students. This is kind of like, I feel like her great standalone work for the concert stage. And it's also an homage to Segovia. And I guess the first movement is supposed to be her meeting with him. It's Encuentro, like mm. 
Uh, the second is Scherzo, his humorous side. Didn't know he really had one, but it's fable that he did. The third one is Yanto, which is a call or a cry, which is her emotions after hearing about his death. And then the last one is Recuerdo, which is her overall memory of him. So they're all very different, but it's fantastic writing. And that third one, it's in E-flat tuning. It's just beautiful. Reminds me a lot of Frank Martin or something really esoteric. And it's, it's just a gorgeous one. So here's the third movement of Annette Kreuzbrink's Homage to Segovia, titled Yanto, a musical portrayal of her reaction to the news of Segovia's passing.
I get, actually get a lot of great comments about the Kavanaugh pieces. I love her playing, first of all. I just Thank really you. admire her as a as a performer and uh, got to hang out with her at GFA this summer and she did a fantastic concert. And she's also just a super cool person. But um, her pieces are just really, they're really beautiful. These preludes just really spoke to me. They're, first of all, extremely playable. Mm. You can tell right off the bat that a guitarist wrote them because they mm. fit within the hands so nicely. The second movement is just beautiful, delicate, really just works well. I've, I've played it in small halls where, you know, you didn't have to push the sound and it just creates like this really intimate moment. And then the third one is kind of flashy, mm. really shows off her virtuosity. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of, I guess, panache to play it. And then the first is just kind of this open, searching sort of meandering. So before we hear Connie play Dale Kavanaugh's Three Preludes, I want to say thanks for listening to All Strings Considered. I'm Scott Wolf, and it's been my pleasure to introduce you to Connie Shu. If you enjoy the show, please like it on Facebook at All Strings Considered, follow on Twitter at All Strings, and if you have a minute, please rate us on iTunes. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories. Until next time, enjoy the music. Guitar just was always special to me, I think, because it was solo and there was something just so intimate about producing the sound with your own fingertips. I think that's what I really liked about it. I did it mostly as like a serious hobby. I loved it, but I didn't really see a future for myself in classical guitar. It just seemed really difficult to make a living. It still is, <laughs> but I'm glad I went that path.
Thank you.